Um, they performed this song I believe it was at the Juno Awards Oh yeah? Yeah, Feist was uh, doing the singing and. Uh, oh yeah, I remember that And I was like, oh yeah, that song Like I just I hadn't been on my radar Because I kind of, you know, through working in rock radio I kind of became like full of the Tragically Hip Like, Yeah And now I'm going back and appreciating some of these songs That weren't necessarily radio hits and stuff But Tragically Hip to me is like Summertime vacation music yeah. <laughs> It's so funny When we were off My husband I'm like What do you want me to put on He doesn't want to hear Anything normal He's like Put the hip on But they're not normal <laughs> Well no, That we would normally Listen to oh, okay, He's like yeah. Just put some hip on And it's like Yeah Yeah Perfect choice but You're not really A hip guy eh? Like you weren't really A giant hip fan Yeah no I never uh, Never got it Maybe it was a little bit Before my time uh, But I never got the hype Around the band don't get it. Yeah. Listen to the song. What is your problem, man? I don't like it at all. I'm not a fan of his voice. To be honest. Oh. He's dead. How dare you say that? <laughs> I'm just like, you know, I, I, I know he's I get it. I've seen him live before, and I thought he was a great performer. I yeah. thought they put on a hell of a show. Great front man. Um, really and I like I, super deep lyrics, man. You're yeah. a lyricist. How do you not appreciate that? It's like poetry. Oh, yeah. Uh, some of the stuff is just it's a little too it's a little too hokey dokey can con for me. Like I just not you know into why? Because you, you've listened to too many radio songs. Yeah. Yeah, I maybe. think I think I bet I could put together a little playlist. But on um, Escape is at hand for the traveling man. I think he'd like that. No, nope, I don't can. I don't have it <laughs> right now. <laughs> uh, anyway, I you know after seeing Feist perform with them, I'm like, you know what they need to do? They need to do a tour where they go out and they grab like maybe three or four Canadian singers yeah. and then go put a show together with those three or four. Like maybe you grab a Feist, maybe you grab a, a Dallas Green because I know he recorded with uh, Gord Downey. For his city and color stuff, mm. maybe you—I um, don't know who the other guy would be, but maybe it's like Chris Murphy from Sloan or somebody, you know. Mix it up a little Mix bit. Mix a little yeah. bit. Get people have like different vocal styles. Some people would be better with the upbeat stuff. Some people would be better with the uh, like you know down tempo hip songs, and then go out and you know pay tribute to the music. 
using oh, the, and let the guys let the guys make some money you know like they i don't think they were ready to retire and unfortunately gord downey passed away and that's really sad but I, I feel like it would be a shame if they didn't get a chance to perform that music again like in a concert venue not just in a surprise guest appearance here or there you know mm-hmm. anyway so cool that they got to go on the road for that that like goodbye yeah tour that they did across canada and i remember hearing some people because the tickets were so hard to get i remember hearing some people be like oh i got tickets to the toronto show and i got tickets to the kingston show and i feel like that wasn't fair (laughs) you know you shouldn't have gotten to go to both should have had to like you know only get tickets to one so that everybody would have got a chance to go and see them guess what just passed uh actually as we're recording this I think they were getting ready for their final show. I think their final show was August 20th. But guess how many years ago that is now? I mean, I don't know, five years? Five years. Oh, was it five years? Exactly five years. Tomorrow was the final show that they did. The uh, Man Machine Poem Tour. Pretty powerful that that uh, they got to do that. And you I'm know? So, yeah, I'm so glad that they um, they allowed cameras in for that final show, so people could be a part of it. Even though you know, because uh, the the arena in Kingston is not like a typical big city arena. It'd probably be maybe seven thousand, eight thousand oh, people really? or something. Oh, yeah, it's an OHL arena. Oh, cool! So. so it's a nice, cozy environment. Yeah, <gasps> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I remember the interview with the the band was like, oh God, you know, playing Kingston is great but it's also a headache because we have so many family and friends that want to come to the show and you can't say no yeah. so it's just an ongoing barrage of like hey uh, I want to come see you guys uh, yeah yeah but it's when you were in a band obviously different scale than the tragically hit but when you were playing certain shows would it would there be a show where all your friends and family wanted to go and then it would be a huge pain in the ass for you to try and get them in uh, there was a few shows like that. I mean, generally speaking, we weren't like so famous that we were selling out everywhere we played. Yeah, right? yeah. But there'd be some special event kind of showcase where and you might be. And those venues are, are hiring you to make money. So they probably want those people to pay at the front door. Yes, they 100% do. <laughs> yeah, the band makes money probably based on what you pay at the front door. You can't so have a bunch of freebies coming through. Yeah, you generally get like a guest list of like X amount of people that you can make sure like to, that can get in the, the mm-hmm. venue. Um, and especially when we would do shows where we like open for a bigger band, those were like primary the ones oh, where yeah. Yeah, yeah. people would want to come to those shows. Would your parents show up at a bunch of shows? Uh, yeah, for I sure. I mean, you and your brother were both in this band. Uh, my dad was at all of them. He came... He, uh, all of them? Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, he was like fully... I'm like ingrained in it. He loved being a part of it. Like a bit too much. You'd be like, dad, please don't stand right in front of the stage with the t-shirt on that says rock waves. No, he, <laughs> he was more. Mary Rose obsession. Uh, more as the band we're talking about, I think. He was more of a, a, a manager. Oh. Than like a, like a fan kind of thing. Like he dealt with a lot of the, uh, the business aspects with venues and agents and, and stuff like that. So we didn't have to deal with that. Do you oh, think nice. if your band would have taken off and gone next level that he would have become an employee of you, of your band, or would it have just been out of his wheelhouse if he got, if he had to start dealing with things <laughs> on a larger scale? He actually got really good at it. And, um, multiple bands were asking him to become their manager as well. <laughs> yeah. 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 He, he, he was pretty good at it. He like really like dove into it. Um, I think like after, 
after we stopped playing sports, my brother and I, for uh, for various reasons, and he was involved in that stuff, like coaching and all that. He, he found like a new thing to get involved in, and, mm-hmm. and he really took to it. Like he was on his laptop every night, looking different addresses up, calling different people, booking this this record label that. Like he got really. Wow. Was your dad one of your coaches? Like uh, yeah, in hockey? Yeah. yeah. Always? And, yeah. Uh, once I started uh, playing at like a rep level, yeah. he kind of ended up as like an assistant coach on the team. But he was always on the bench. Yeah, he was always on the bench. We, and uh, is that something you recommend for like dads out there who have kids and like from a kid's point of view? Is that something you benefited from or was it kind of a pain to have like your dad always yammering in your ear? Well, I guess you were a goalie, so you're out on the ice, right? Yeah, uh, for me, I I liked it. I don't know if everybody else would, but I liked it because he was harder on me than anybody else because I was his son and I preferred mm. it that way. Like he would make me work, you know, and I, mm-hmm. and like I've told you guys before, like if I felt like I wasn't in a game for some reason, I like I would ask him to specifically yell at me to kind of get me in there. Um, Did he do that when you were on stage? Bundes, your guitar playing is shit. <laughs> that, that lead solo was terrible. Uh, not on stage, but he, he would save it to after. You know? Oh yeah? yeah, yeah, yeah. He would tell us if we sucked, if we had an off night, or if I, wow. you know, I fucked something up. Because like, you, you don't, you don't want to, like, because you get off the stage and everybody in the crowd's like, "Oh, that was awesome," this, this, and that, right? And it's nice, but you, you need somebody to tell you the truth. And like, if, right. you, if you fuck something up, if something was shit, like, you need somebody to tell you that so that you can fix it in practice or or whatever the reason is to to be the best that you can be. Because you never know. I mean. We, we were lucky. We got to play in front of lots of different big agents. Like we got to play in front of Nickelback's agent, you know, and mm-hmm. took meetings with them and stuff like that. And if I didn't have somebody telling me, "Hey, when you do that, or if you screwed this up, or when you're standing here and it looks stupid," if you, I need somebody telling me that shit, so when that moment arises, you can be the best that you can be. And you believed your dad when he was telling you that stuff. Like if he said, "You look like an idiot when your mouth drops open when you're doing that solo," and you're like, <laughs> "Whatever it is, like the guitar yeah. face." Uh, yeah, guitar solo face, yeah. It's the best. I, uh, Did yeah. you have a guitar solo face? Yeah, 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 sure. Oh. I think it just happens, doesn't it? It just happens. Yeah. Well, well, there's so many different ones. Do you like play the solo with your mouth while you move your hands or are you more like biting your lip? I have a, like a, a little bit of a lip bite and my eyes blink like oh, weird, nice. weirdly. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> like you're having a seizure almost yeah, yeah. kind of thing yeah, yeah. that's awesome it's cool that you could take his feedback though because a lot of uh, what I'm noticing with my daughter and what I hear from other parents is like your kid won't listen to you no matter if you're an expert at that sport or or that industry they don't care how cool you are or whatever you're still like your parent you're still yeah. mom you're an idiot yeah um, and I'm noticing that like with Harvest uh, trying to show her different things she does she's having none of it whereas if I brought in uh, a coach or a teen or a camp counselor she'd be hanging on their every word uh, it was, I mean, I definitely had moments like that with my, with my dad where, you know, but it, it would depend on what it is. Like if he, if he commented on my attire, I may be like, you know, dude, you're, Shut fucking, up, you're, dad, you're yeah. old, like, you, know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, but when it came to specifics in like terms of my performance and how I, I, I played a game or how I visually played the guitar or looked on the stage, like he's seen me at every game or at every show, he knows when I'm at my best and when I'm not at my best. And he knows what works and what doesn't work. Like he, he's, he's seen it all, right? It's not like he comes to one show every once in a while and it's right. like, oh, great job. So I, I, I take that advice from him. We also had another guy, Jay, who was a manager and like roadies and certain people that were like part of the crew. Like I would take everything that they said seriously. Mm. Do you think your dad ever considered being a manager for another band? 
Because he sort of like, he changed careers uh, a couple times, yeah. right? Um, did he consider it? I mean, he, I, I think he considered it, but I think he was waiting for us to kind of like really hit hit the next mm-hmm. level before he would take on any more responsibility. It Like, it's grueling, man. Being in a band is not easy. Mm-hmm. Like, if you oh. want to be in a band that's like semi-successful, it's it's like you can't just like once a week go down and jam on the guitar and think that you're going to become famous like we played every single night we were always rehearsing and having meetings before rehearsals sitting in coffee shops designing flyers designing this who's going to email this person okay who's going to set up that show it's a bunch of shit like that it's like a full-time job after your full-time job you know yeah and then just i don't envy anyone who wants to get in the music industry such a gong show yeah and there was no like when i was doing it social media was in its infancy it wasn't what it is now we had myspace pages right like and facebook was like a like just coming out so you had to like go out to bars all the time and like mingle with people and introduce yourself to people and make hookups it wasn't like you could send a dm on instagram and be like hey man you'd have to actually go out and like Show face. Hey, when you were in a band and you started working for radio station, uh, radio station. Yeah. Did you ever meet the people that rejected your music or have any conversations <laughs> with them? Because I assume, like, the company that owned, uh, well, that owns us and owns Q107 also owns The Edge. I would assume that would be one of the stations you wanted to get on in Toronto. Yeah, sure. Like, did you ever meet the music director? Yeah. And, like, did you ever say, hey, I was in a band and we sent you our shit and what the fuck was your problem or any, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember one of, the, one of the guys shit on my music. Uh, one of the music directors at the edge at the time. Really? Before you worked in the co- for the company no, or wh- while? while I worked there. Okay. Uh, he kind of like shit on it. Um, <laughs> how did that how did that go over for you? <laughs> I mean, you know. I know you. I know how well it would go over. Uh, it, it, you know, it chaps your ass, but like what are you going to do, right? Like yeah. everybody everybody has their different opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, but you just kind of get back to the drawing board, you try something new. Also like they were shitty demos too, right? Like and as time got on, we had better equipment. We started to be able to really produce produce and record better sounding stuff so even just the sound of something can change somebody's opinion like it could be the yeah. same song but if it's recorded like shit then you know yeah uh, but like yeah, every I, demo has too much reverb on it and like you know whatever yeah. you know all yeah, that like exactly. classic um i also had the pleasure of meeting like tons of different record label uh music reps that would come in all the time and, mm-hmm. yeah. and through them i would you know i met guys at emi and e1 and whatever and i would send them my stuff and get feedback from them uh, yeah, like I, I made lots of contacts that way and I got lots of valuable feedback, which helped further me along, I think. But at the same time, I wonder if it also hindered me. Um, because al- although it was great to hear these professionals in the industry's feedback, with music, it's like music is something that's so personal and it's always something that you want to discover on your own. And when you find something, you can't wait to share it with somebody else, like show the world. And when I... I always found awkward when I was like, hey, listen to my song because I feel like they had preconceived notions of who I am as a person. And mm. Oh, this guy on. wears sunglasses inside wants me to listen to his music now. And right. so he had a picture in his head of like... Yeah. So like uh, what, I, what I started to do was... Um, was since I had all their contacts, I would start giving them to the band or or and they would get them to send it through like a different email, like without a name on it or something like that, just to try and get rid of the, oh, this is from Chris, who works at Q, who's in a band or whatever mm. kind of thing, you know? Um, just to see if they would have a different reception to the music. Kind of like when you have a teacher and you think they're grading you unfairly because you're a pain in the ass. Yeah. And it, you almost want to have someone else in the class submit the paper in another year and yes. see if they do any better. <laughs> 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 that kind of thing. Oh, that's kind of funny. 
Uh, you know what? We gotta uh, get back to this though. You know who didn't have a problem making it in Canada? <laughs> but actually, you know, a lot of people outside of Canada didn't get them either. No. That's definitely something they get tired of talking about for sure. If you ever interview the guys in the tragical, yeah. Oh, about not like having bigger success outside of Canada? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Because it's one of those things. How do you even describe that, right? Like, how do you explain how that doesn't happen? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. The Daily Take Two is coming up next. Thanks for checking out the podcast. When the color of the night All the smoke in one light So I, I know this is a little bit out of our format, but everybody knows this song, don't they? Clearly you guys know it. Let's go, Every single word to that song. I was not expecting that response. I just thought you'd be like, oh yeah, I know that song. No, no, we know it. Yeah, yeah. We well, know it. Did Nickelback steal that song? Oh boy. Oh hell no. Ah, no. it appears. They may have. At least that's the accusation from one band. Oh, come on. I'll play you. I'll play you the two songs and you can decide for yourself. A guy (laughs) by the name of Kirk Johnson has filed a lawsuit against Nickelback and Roadrunner Records and Warner Chappelle Music and Live Nation stating that the band's song Rockstar is copyright infringement. Mm. They wrote a song called Rockstar back in the day. And they said they sh- they sent off a copy of that song to 15 different record labels, including Roadrunner and Warner. And he claims that Nickelback would have had access to that song. Mm-hmm. They would have been able to hear it. He says that the labels gave the song to Nickelback to listen to, and they in turn copied it. He says that uh, there's a substantial amount of the music that was copied, including the tempo, song form, melodic structure, harmonic structures, lyrical themes. Ooh. It's a lot of accusations in there. <laughs> a judge over, you know, who's looking at all this stuff has uh, decided that a jury should decide whether or not they stole it because there is some merit to it in the fact that she believes Nickelback did have access to the song. Gonna be a rock star someday. Yeah.
initial feeling, Bunness? My initial feeling is uh, no. There's nothing there. Because there's so many songs that touch on these themes. I'm not hearing... I hear a little bit of the music, to be honest. I, I don't. Oh, just a wanna be big rock star and live in hilltop. Now, now, now. <laughs> Gonna be a rock star someday. Yeah, this, it's not the same. The, the, Nickelback's version is is an acoustic guitar strumming. That's got more of a ska vibe where the guitar's chopped. Bottom of the ninth and I'm never gonna win this. Life hasn't turned out quite the way I want it to be. Tell me what you want. That's the stupidest part of that song. Tell me what you <laughs> want. Tell me what you want. And how you gonna do. <laughs> I agree with you, Bunness. I don't think it sounds similar. You're not hearing it, eh? This would be the funnest jury to be on, though. You're like, oh, God, I got selected for jury duty. It's going to be dark. And then you get this case. I'd be yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. The Nickelback rock star case. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like if we were a jury, uh, not guilty. That's is the, right. Is the plea right now, or is the uh, is the verdict? If the lyrics don't fit, you must acquit. <laughs> <laughs> if you rent a Lamborghini, are you going to stretch its legs and see what that sweet car can do? Obviously, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. What's the point otherwise? Right. Well, you can't do that on a regular road. You got to like rent a track for that. There was a guy uh, who rented a lime green Lamborghini worth. Over $260,000 U.S. And he decided to test that thing out in Brampton in a 60 zone. Ooh. Cops is coming for that, right? Quick, call the police now. Cops is coming. Cops is coming, for sure. Yeah, cops, cops is, is there, ready to catch the guy. <laughs> Do you think Do you think the cops get a little like extra thrill when they get to pull over a guy in one in a car like that? Yes. They they're they're loving it. Are they not loving it? That's amazing. That's a great day at work when you get to pull over a Lambo. Speeding? Yes. I mean you dream of that if you're a cop, right? You don't care about the Toyota Camry that's going (laughs) twenty over. You want to get the Lambo that's going super fast. Wait, how fast was he going? Okay, so he was in a 60. Yeah. He was going 122 in a 60. Ooh, that is uh, stunt Double. driving right there. That's stunt driving. Cops is coming. Yeah, and uh, you know what they do in that case? They take the car. They impound the oh, car. and he rented it. <laughs> so now what? They impounded the car for 14 days. Oh. Cops is coming. <laughs> So guess what? He's renting the Lambo for two weeks. For two weeks, <laughs> which is going to cost this guy eighteen thousand dollars. Cops is coming. Woo! Jeez, I'm sure the rental company's loving that. Yeah, because there's no mileage on it. The cops not, you know, I guess you'd worry about how it got to the impound lot. Oh, maybe. they brought the special tow truck. Did they? The, the flatbed. Oh, yeah, they put it on, which would have cost a fortune as well, I'm sure, to get that tow truck to come. So, yeah, this guy, 18 G's just to rent the Lambo, not including the ticket and, you know, any fees you got to pay at the impound place. So that, what would, that, I mean, how do you rent a Lambo? I didn't even know you could do that. 
I thought you could do it in Vegas or someplace like that. I didn't realize in Ontario they had places. Yeah, there's places like that. They also have um, uh, multiple cars where you could do like a day trip and you could have, and you like every hour you can go from a Ferrari to a Lambo to a Mercedes and you're doing like a cruise or you can go to a track and rent a car to do a few laps on a track. There's there's lots of different ways. I guess that costs thousands of dollars though, based on this. I mean, I'm sure those rentals are probably by the hour then. Like, I just want a car for the afternoon kind of thing. Yeah. It can be 60s zone. What an idiot, though. Well, he wanted to see what that car could do. Yeah, but just go off somewhere, yeah. <laughs> you know, like on some road where nobody's around. Yes. You can't impress your friends in that way, though. Yeah, I guess not. A doctor is going viral on TikTok after telling women that they should not pee in the shower. I thought we were supposed to, to save water, to be environmentalists. Ah. You know, it all goes to the same place anyway. Might as well do it in the shower instead of having to flush a whole bowl's worth of water down. Good point. But? She says that it is going to ruin your pelvic floor muscles. So funny, as soon as I said that, I did a Kegel. (laughs) That's how connected I am to my pelvic floor. She says women's bodies are not designed to pee standing up and doing it too much trains your pelvic floor muscles to let you do it, which you don't want, apparently, especially as you get older. She also says a couple other tips. You should never pee when you don't really need to. You should never hover when you're in a public bathroom because it's not the right position that you want your muscles in. And you should never push your pee out really hard to go faster because you want to you know, get back, get back to the action. I got intermission's almost over. I got to go back. So, does that mean that guys can pee in the shower? You're, you uh, know, I never did. I never did. I thought it was like, you know, a faux pas. Yeah. And then I just, yeah, everyone's like, do it. It's better for the environment. So I was like, okay, I got pretty good aim. Can hit the drain. I'll do it once in a while. Away you go, right? Mm-hmm. Well, she says no. Guys should not be doing it either because it trains your body to associate peeing with running water. And now you got a problem because anytime you hear running water, your brain is going to think it's time to go pee. Okay, this is stupid. Sorry. Well, it is. No, that, she lost me on that one. Oh, yeah? No, have yeah, you this not, doctor. Have you not noticed, though, for example, like you have to go to the washroom and you're in your car driving home and you're holding on just fine. But the closer you get to your house, yes. as you pull yes. into your driveway, as you get closer to the washroom, to the toilet, it just starts coming out and you can't hold on <laughs> to it. I can't make it. Yeah. There's yeah, a yeah. term for that. There is. It's like, uh, uh, what was it called? Some sort of like, it's, a, it's, a, it's like in the morning, if you get up for that morning pee. Uh, and you can't make it to the toilet in time. It's because, and you're like, I was fine when I was in bed, and now I can't make it. It's it's like some sort of association with the fact that you're about to go, that you lose control. Uh, I thought maybe it had something to do with just like your brain recognizing the washroom or the steps that you're going in that direction. Yes. So just, yeah. No, that's that's exactly right. So it could be the same with the with the running water if you start associating with the shower that's running water. Yeah. Yeah. You start associating it with running water, so you might feel the urge to pee when you're washing your hands or when you're pouring yourself a glass of water. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I get that when it's I'm ridiculous. Uh, what's that Justin Timberlake song? Uh, Cry me a river. It starts with rain, and you're like, oh god! Every time it rains, I'm going to have to go pee now. That's re- honestly, this is ridiculous. Because uh, how many times do you pee in the shower versus when you pee in the other ways that you normally do? 
you know, it's not like you go to the bathroom once a day and if you do it in the shower, then you're going to need the shower every time. It's like one out of probably 15. True. You're telling me that's going to skew everything off? This woman is saying, and keep in mind, she's a TikTok doctor, so maybe she's not even real. She's saying we shouldn't pee in the shower because our pelvic floor muscles aren't designed for that. That little caveat should have been mentioned at the yeah, beginning thank of you. the story. A Dude, TikTok doctor. She's probably not even a real doctor. I mentioned it at the beginning. You guys clearly were not listening. Okay? <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. So sexperts have laid out the biggest bedroom fears for both men and women. They are very different, but perhaps these are some of your fears, too. What? You want me to get naked? (laughs) With the lights on? I can't do that. (laughs) You mean you're already in bed and I have to undress at the foot of the bed with the lights on? (laughs) Right? (sighs) Is there ever a sexy way to take tight, skinny jeans off? No. Well, now I got to... Oh, I left the socks on and now I'm naked. Damn! Socks off first. Why didn't you remember that, Tucker? You're going to do socks first? Oh, well, wow. yeah, because the last thing I want to do is have to take the socks off last, bend down in that awkward position. Oh. Nobody needs to see that. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's all about getting naked in front of the other person 100% and looking sexy while you do it. That's hard. Yeah. It's hard. Even when you're with the same person for a long time, you still get really self-conscious about certain things. Shirt off. Everyone can do a shirt off sexy. It's the pants that becomes more difficult. You know what? That's why I like the pants to come out uh, off in the the process of the makeout. Whatever. (laughs) Or you do it discreetly like... Maybe not pants, but you take the undies off under the covers and then be like, oh, you're already (laughs) naked. I didn't even see that. Unless you're wearing tearaways. If you got tearaways on, that's the best. (laughs) Dramatic. What what is going on in your house that you have tearaways (laughs) happening right there? I'd love to see how that happens. Okay, are you ready to hear about the biggest fears? And, you know, again. Hey, everybody, I got the... Now, that happened in the blink of an eye. Yes! Oh, but wait, I left the socks on. Oh, no. Now i got to bend over and pull those up. Maybe I'll just climb into bed with them on and she won't notice. You need tearaway socks. Can they make those? Please. Okay, so women, 100% body conscious. Like, what if they don't like my body? That's one of our fears. A bad body image takes your head out of the game. Not to make you uncomfortable, I'm pretty sure I would know what I'm expecting if you got naked in front of me. It wouldn't be, I wouldn't be like, oh, oh my God. that was nothing like what I imagined. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, like, well, let me tell I'm you sure guys if you saw something. me naked, you'd be like, yeah, it's pretty much what I expected. <laughs> you guys ain't seen nothing yet, okay? <laughs> you have no yeah, yeah. idea. Yeah. Get me a pair of tearaways. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. Um, two other fears women have is that they won't reach climax and that there'll be an STI involved in this scenario. Hey, legit fears right there. Legit fears. Men. What do you think men worry about? Uh, well, that it's, you're not going to impress them with your uh, with the peen. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Small peen, right? Small peen, 100%. 85% of women, just so you what? know. She thought it'd be bigger. That's all I got. 
85% of women are satisfied with their partner's size, okay? okay. Only 55% of men, though, are satisfied with the size. So, Have you found yourself in a situation where you were like, oh, really? That's it? Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Everything you just said went right out the window. <laughs> you mean I'm not part of the 80% in your life? I'm in the 20? No. Just, just the odd time where it's like, oh, okay. That's what we're working with here. But let me tell you something. Okay. Men are worried about not lasting long enough. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, men also worry about losing their steam, if you will. Sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, what the experts say there is focus on pleasing your partner instead. Take the focus off yourself and focus on pleasing your partner. And chances are things will rebound for you. Okay? Learned a lot there. Thank you, Maura. You're very welcome. It is Tucker and Maura. What are the questions you need to ask before you get married? It turns out there are six of them. Assuming that you've already got that gut feeling, Maura, that's telling you this is a great person to be with. So why would you ask yourself questions Well, then? because you could actually <laughs> love the person, uh, but there might be deal breakers that come along later. Ah, no. For example, Maura, go ahead, Bundes. I was going to say, like, are you saying, like, um, asking that person what their stance is on children? If you want yes. children, maybe they yes. don't want children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do okay. you want kids? Because you could be with the greatest person in the world, but if you want kids and they don't, that may just be the deal breaker right there. How about location, location, location? Where do you want to live? You know, what if you're a city slicker and they're a country uh, country folk, you know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Show me, are we going to live in the country? <laughs> <laughs> That's Um, not there, I'm afraid, location. But I mean... The only question you should ask yourself is, is this the one? (laughs) Is this the one? You've already decided they're the one, Maura, but are you marriage material? So that is not there. What about political views, Tucker? Oh my God. Show me political views. (laughs) All right, do we have political views on the board? No. No, we don't. Oh. Jen just came up with a okay. really good one. Yeah, yeah. She texted us. Show me debt. Yeah, sort of. Okay. How should go. we handle money is on there. Okay. So just like arranging, are we going to do joint bank accounts? Ah. Uh, how much debt do you have? That all fits into that category. Right. Yes. So she is right. Here's one. Like, Maura, what is your biggest battle? With your great, amazing husband. Oh. If you could change one <laughs> thing about him, would be... Show me cleanliness! Uh, how you would divide up the chores! <laughs> right there. Yeah. Right? That's an important one. Show me separate beds. Do we want to sleep in separate beds, or do we have to sleep in the same bed? Sleeping arrangements! Is it on the board? No, 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 no. That's not. But that's a good one, because okay. I'll tell you, I sleep in a different bedroom now... Five out of seven nights if it's a traditional work week for us. Yeah. Show me retirement 
uh, equal retirement goals as far as like where you want to chill. I'm not, gonna stop I'm, not even, I'm not even gonna ask if it's on the board. That one's terrible. Okay. <laughs> well, that's still oh. handling money. Handling I didn't money. Mean that's financially, it. I mean like yeah. you would love to be on a sailboat for the rest of your life. Maybe like living style. Retirement choices. I think yeah, yeah that's not there. Not on not the board. There. Okay. No, 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 All right. no. Okay, okay, I got one. I got okay, one. I think I think these are getting harder to figure out, but yeah, go ahead. What about funeral options? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what if I want to be cremated, but you want to be buried? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm going to cremate plots? you if you keep up with these terrible <laughs> guesses. <laughs> How about pets? Show me pets. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to tell you the answers, okay? All the families have lost now. Now it's just, let's see what's on the board, okay? Uh-huh. Where are we going to spend the holidays? What? <laughs> oh, give me a break. That's what you need to have well, a discussion about? I mean, you have to decide, like, uh, how are we going to divide up Christmas or Hanukkah or wh- whatever it is you celebrate? Mm-hmm. Ramadan, like, it's... Are we going to be at my family's place or your family's place? Are you okay with dividing it up? That's going to be a deal breaker, right? That's more important than where you're actually going to live like all year long. You're really stuck on the country versus city thing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I agree, Bundes. Also, are we going to get a prenup? Show me prenup! Come on! Yeah, yeah, that's not there. Really? That's how that should be one too. Prenup, uh, yeah, should be on there. Probably should be. Are you one of those people who say, you know, when I was in university, I could eat anything, but now I'm packing on the pounds? Hundred percent, that was me. That was you. We we had meal cards at my university. I lived in Res. Mm-hmm. We could swipe it. It was all you can eat. They had ice cream bars. They had uh, <laughs> like you know, like a, a, an ice cream center, if you will. Yes, desserts galore. I mean, literally, we would eat, I would get back to my room, and I would have to lie in bed for about 15, 20 minutes just because I ate so much. And I ate that weight for every meal. Couldn't gain a pound. (laughs) Really? You never gained a pound? Not a single pound. Stuffed yourself. and You're probably drinking, too, in university. Of course. So unhealthy. Didn't gain a pound. A new study has found that our metabolism doesn't slow down until we're 60. So blaming your weight gain on your slowing metabolism is actually a sham. That's That can't be true. That's 100% true. It's I don't believe it. Researchers found that your metabolism peaks when you're a baby at around the age of one. That's when you're burning calories like crazy. Mm-hmm. And then it gradually slows down until you're about 20 years old. And then from 20... I don't believe it. 20 to 60, no. it plateaus and it stays pretty consistent from 20... Can't be true. And if you gain a bunch of weight, they're saying now in your 40s and 50s, there are other factors at play. No. Like eating more and being less active. I don't believe it. (laughs) What do you think, Bundes? I changed nothing. And I just, all of a sudden, I I literally, when I got married to my wife, weighed 142 pounds. Oh, my God. 142 pounds? Yeah. I, I could not gain weight. And uh, wh- my peak weight in 2018 was 178. Like yeah. it just started. A but one your day. lifestyle probably changed no. if you look at your life. No, wrong. <laughs> Unless I'm the exception, but I don't believe that for a what second. What do you think, Bundes? Um, well, 
I think there's possibly some truth to that because I'm just thinking it back to my younger years. Like throughout my teens, my early 20s, I was much more active all the time playing sports. Even like when you're a kid, you're in gym class all the time. You're playing a different sports league. You're always running around outside. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and as you get older and life kind of sets in your way, whether it's marriage and kids, like you don't have the time to exercise as much as you used to. You kind of just like go to work, come home, sit on the couch, watch TV, and eat ice cream. Like, Plus, I remember like when I was about 28, I, I started drinking alone, you know, like I would have a drink alone. And I never did that before. I'd be like, why would I have a drink if I'm not like doing something social? And then the art of drinking alone became a thing. I'm going to have a drink just because I'm unwinding. Sure. Right? Yeah, I know. Gets away from you. No. <laughs> We're not going to convince him. You're not going to convince me. It definitely slows down. I say 30. <laughs> it's It takes another nosedive. You think? Unless I'm just such a late bloomer that my 20, you know. That might be it. Is, yes. Or, or, or like your 20 is my 30. Right. You know what I mean? Well, maybe... Because I didn't hit puberty till about 20, so that might make sense. For real, yeah. You looked young, right? But didn't you also just lose like 20 pounds over the pandemic? No, but since um, I'm probably 20 pounds lighter than I am from... Uh, than I was in 2018. So over the course of three years. Okay. But I did lose about seven through the pandemic. And maybe. that's not via exercising. That was just by changing like what you were eating? Mm-hmm. There you go. Research done. <laughs> it's Tucker and Mora in the morning. Energy 95.3. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think French fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone. Like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.